The views expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individuals being interviewed and do not necessarily represent those of the Greater Winter Haven Chamber of Commerce. You're listening to It's Happening in the Haven. I'm your host, Katie Worthington Decker. Each episode, I get the privilege to speak to the amazing people taking Winter Haven and its surrounding Central Florida area to the next level. We're future focused, celebrating our entrepreneurial history and leveraging it for our bright future ahead. Hey there, and thank you for joining us for It's Happening in the Haven. I'm your host, Katie Worthington-Decker, President and CEO of the Greater Winter Haven Chamber of Commerce, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Rachel Lawrence, Marketing Coordinator for the Chamber. Hello, everyone. Rachel, so excited you can be with us today. Um, So this podcast is produced by the Winter Haven Chamber, as you probably guessed, but made possible through a phenomenal partnership with Dolphin Image Studios. Our producer from Dolphin is Nate. Hey, Nate, tell our listeners a little bit about Dolphin. Hey, Katie. Yeah, uh, Dolphin Image Studios is a full production studio uh, located in Winter Haven, Florida. Um, We have a 3,000-square-foot soundstage, a psych wall, eight acres of land, and a staff of professionals that are able to make your next commercial film project or uh, whatever you may need, or podcast in this case. Yes, exactly. (laughs) What we're doing right now. And what's really cool is I wish everyone could physically be here with us right now because you are actually filming a full-on movie here right now. Yes, we are. It's a uh, it's a horror or thriller. uh, It's called Scream Test, and uh, hopefully it'll be in theater sometime next year. And what's really cool about it is it's not, it's, you know, the group was looking for a place to film, and this is obviously a great place, but they were also looking for location shoots. And so tell our listeners a little bit about what kind of pre-work you had to do for them. Yeah, so uh, they had some uh, specific scenes, like some scenes on a lake. Uh, They needed some, you know, uh, wooded scenes and an FBI office. And uh, that's not this movie, so I'm going to start over on that. (laughs) I was like, oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) Yes, they needed uh, some specific locations for this film, like a lake. And, uh, you know, Winter Haven has a ton of them, uh, along with some other requirements. And they were looking at other cities like Lake Mary, uh, over in Tampa, and a few other locations. And we were able to basically get everything they needed for their film right here in Winter Haven, Florida. Yeah, so not only are they filming here, but they're staying in hotels here, they're eating here, all this kind of stuff. So film is an economic driver, people, and that's why we should be supporting this industry. And we are super excited to um, have you bringing the art form of film back to Winter Haven. So, right, we're happy to do it. Thank you guys for that. Thank so, you. I love it. So we have got a really exciting episode for you today. Our guests include Mike Podhast of Podhast Studios and the guys on his video team, Joel and Rick, who will be talking about creating a visual brand. We also have Lisa Baker with the Humane Society of Polk County and our Furry Friends nonprofit Spotlight and Dr. Mitzi Vargas with Orchid Springs Animal Hospital. And so, hey, have you heard of pet acupuncture, Rachel? You know, I have, but I really don't know too much about it. So it's something really cool that Dr. Vargas offers, but um, personal story here. So a couple years ago, some of you listeners might remember, there was a huge dog fighting ring 
that was broken up in Bartow. I don't know if you heard about that. Really sad. But about 60 dogs were confiscated from that. And the guy actually got the longest sentence ever for someone that was in animal cruelty, which oh thank goodness, because like that, there's just a special place They're for people terrible. that do that. That's awful. Yeah. So um, anyway, one of the dogs that came out of this, her name was Gretel. She was two months old, and she had been used as a bait dog, meaning like the dog that was thrown into the arena with the other dogs that were fighting. (laughs) And she had been bit so many times on her back um, section that she was paralyzed from the waist down. Oh, my goodness. Two months old. Oh, my gosh. So one of the vets at Orchid Springs, um, Laura, Dr. Laura Moiza, was fostering and asked if I might be willing to help foster this little Gretel. So um, when I got her, I really didn't know what I was in for because she was paralyzed from the waist down. Right. But one of the cool things was Dr. Farkas offered to do acupuncture for free while I was fostering and honestly in perpetuity for Gretel's life um, when she found her forever home to help her build back. And literally when I got Gretel, her back feet drug on the ground. And then after several acupuncture treatments, she was running up the stairs at my apartment. Oh, that's I mean, amazing. it was just the coolest thing ever. So she did find her forever home, and I cried for literally three days. When oh. I was like, that is when I'm not cut out to foster dogs no. because I fall in love with them. Um, but thankfully, uh, at the time, one of my neighbors took her, so I got to see her every once in a while. Oh, but, but it's really is a miracle. And so I think later we'll find out a little bit from uh, Dr. Vargas on all of the things that acupuncture and kind of alternative therapies can treat. But I just love that story, and I'll always have a little special place in my heart. That for is so little, amazing. Little Gretel and her. Uh, maybe we'll post a picture of Gretel when we post the pictures yes, of this podcast. Before and after. Yeah, everyone loves a good dog dog picture. But um, So anyway, super cool. I can't wait for our our listeners to hear about um, everything that has to be offered there. This podcast would not be possible without our chamber investor businesses stepping up to support us. We'd like to thank one of our podcast presenting sponsors, Meeks Real Estate LLC. Winter Haven was rated by Realtor.com as the number one hottest real estate market. Do you need help navigating your home search? Meeks Real Estate LLC is owned and operated by broker realtor Carla Meeks. Carla has over 14 years of experience in residential and commercial real estate, as well as her GRI designation. Her office is located at 1510 North Broadway Avenue in Bartow, but Carla is actively involved in all of Polk County. Call or text Carla anytime. She would love to help you buy, sell, build, and invest in Central Florida. 863 604 9287 or visit Carla com. That's C A R L A M E E K S Realtor.com. Today's featured guest is someone many of you may have crossed paths with in your time here. Mike Pothast is one of, if not the most well-known photographer in Winter Haven, and his business, Pothast Studios, dates back a generation, opened in the 1960s. He's taken many a family portrait, photographed celebrities and politicians. He puts together amazing window displays featuring local artists and personalities, and has played an integral role in creating a visual brand for Winter Haven. Mike has with him today Joel Faubert and Rick Maldonado from his video team at the studio. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Thanks, Katie. Appreciate it, Katie. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. 
So, Mike, we're going to start with you in the hot seat because okay. right. we just, as as I was just joking, you guys love being the center of attention. <laughs> I'll try to be. I'll try to be ready. Um, so, you obviously you grew up, as I mentioned in the intro, you grew up around photography, and your dad, frankly, telling the story of Winter Haven and its people. So, tell me a little bit about your family's legacy in the community and why you chose to follow in his footsteps. Yeah. So, my dad moved to uh, Central Florida in the early early sixties, probably sixty two or sixty three, sixty four. So somewhere right there. And he was a, uh, he was a graduate at Carnegie Mellon University, and he was a, an artist, a painter. Traditionally, when he moved to Winter Haven, he met a buddy of his that was into dabbling in, into photography. And um, it really, it caught a little, um, caught a little bit of an inspiration with him, you know, that he maybe he could, he could turn his art background into more of a photography type of background. And he studied and he, he taught himself photography with his buddy. And um, they learned to, um, learn to work together a little bit with the the photography medium and the film and um, eventually my dad I think went on to work for the news chief um, probably about 1963 the Winter Haven news chief he was a uh, staff photographer for him and that's where he started meeting people in the community Um, really you get a lot of assignments when you're working for a paper you get a lot of assignments a lot of different assignments um, Mm -hmm. a lot of variety so you're working with people you're working with objects events so it taught him um, you know a little bit about you know, which different styles of photography he liked to do. And he came back to a knack of just being a portrait photographer. He loved working with people, and that was his real specialty. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, 1964, he, he decided that was it. He's going to open up his own studio where the parking garage is now, downtown Winter Haven. Um, he was on the on the far side, which would be the north side of that parking garage. That was his first studio, and then it eventually moved around the corner to the uh, it'd be the, the west side of that building, um, kind of where the gym is now. Mm-hmm. Um I can't, um, Laws of Fitness. Yeah, Laws of yeah. Fitness Gym. Mm-hmm. That, that's about where that studio sat. And then he eventually turned around the corner in 1972 where we are today on Central. So it's literally lived within the same block. In that same block, yeah. yeah. Wow. That's <laughs> yeah. amazing. So, and um, but the photography bug actually runs even deeper in your family. Um, and your grandfather, so it was your dad's dad, was a photographer in World War One. Yeah, so he was in the Army and he, he worked, uh, his, he was assigned to General Pershing and um, it was he was a, a, a photographer slash map maker, and so he did a lot of uh, a lot of photography in the war. He also recently we came across some um, in, in, in the last couple of years we came across a lot of uh, glass negatives that he actually shot. Um, they were from Baltimore area, and these were eight by ten glass negatives of the Baltimore fire. Wow. And I think I can't remember for sure, but I think that fire was around 1914, 1917, somewhere in there, 1914, I think. Mm-hmm was the fire. And so we found original glass negatives and probably about 20 of them that were shot on glass plates. So those plates were at the scene. I mean, so, you know, it's not like digital day where you can shoot it and that that medium disappears. Those glass plates were actually there the morning of that fire. And so it was pretty... So can you you develop those now? Or like, what do you do with those? So it's a latent image. It's already on the glass. So it's it's traditionally like your 35 millimeter film. Mm -hmm. You would have a negative um, on gelatin. Well, these were, this was emulsion that was painted on a glass plate. And so it's a negative image on a glass plate, but you could print it. You can, and I did. I made con- what's called a contact print. Mm-hmm. So you, what you do is you would you take that glass negative, or you can scan it into the computer now, mm-hmm. and you just reverse that negative into a positive. So yeah, you can definitely see That's it. Easy. I've got just reverse that negative yeah. into a positive. Yeah. Super easy, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah do but, you have any pictures of him from when he was deployed? Uh, the pictures he took when he was deployed. I don't have anything from the wartime. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I don't know if it wasn't allowed or if it just never got out. The, the or government share them confiscated or maybe. I don't all know of it. What happened to those. Yeah. Never did see any of those, but I remember yeah. him telling. I remember being together with him um, and visiting, and he would talk about that. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. 
Now, Mike, your mom's parents have an interesting story of how they met during World War II, and um, there's even a book about it that your aunt wrote. Uh, the Romantic in Me loves the story. Do you mind sharing it? Sure, absolutely. So um, that was my mom's parents. Um, their name was Herman and Hetty Allen. They eventually ended up in Bartow, Florida, and had a had a pretty good family, raised a pretty good family there for a while until they moved to Columbia, South Carolina. But so what they did, um, Herman um, Herman was a B seventeen bombardier. Um, he was a he was a colonel actually, and um, so he was deployed and he was on a B seventeen flight over Germany. I believe it was Berlin. I think is what he. They were on their way to Berlin. I don't think they made it. They got shot down. Um, over Germany and crash landed in Gotland, which is in um, sw- um, Sweden. And so there was an island in Sweden named Gotland, and the B-17 crash crash landed. Um, everybody survived um, um, rough landing, but at that time they would take those uh, those POWs and they would um, they they had a I wouldn't say a resort, but it kind of looked like a resort to me. He never wanted to really share that part of it, but it sure looked like he was cozy in this place. Um, it wasn't wasn't a tough POW ship, I don't think. You know? So he got a they 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 took in everybody my ties that, yeah. in the hands of the yeah. one brother. I mean, I, honestly, I think I mean there was a lot of that going on. I think, um, but he ended up at this um, at and I can't remember. I, I wish I could remember the name of it, but um, but it was a an assignment they would put all the POWs at, and that's where my grandmother Hetty um, was working. She worked at the time for OSS, which is the Office of Secret Service Intelligence, but it eventually became the CIA. Oh wow! Um, wow. So it was a precursor to the CIA. Ooh. Yeah, and so they met. Um, they they got together. They were assigned. Herman became a spy. Um, actually, that's how they ended up using him because there was a lot of spies on God in, in that island and in Sweden at the time, and they converted him to a spy. Um, and my grandmother was a secretary, um, and part of her part of her job at that time was recording and documenting what the spies were seeing and reporting back to them. And eventually, those two hooked up, and, um, and that became it. They got married in Sweden. Um, the, the count of um, Count of Sweden, Count Bernadine, Bernadine, I think I'm saying that right, married them. There. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So, and it was, so you know, wow. wartime and it was a romantic um, I love it. I want to see was, a movie made about I, this. I really yeah. do. They're actually, yeah. my aunt's really trying to get some attention to on the yeah. book. The What's book the name written, of the book? Because um, I know it's on Amazon. It, it's the, called the name of the plane. The B-17 plane is called Liberty Lady. Pretty yeah. yeah, that's fantastic. I yeah. love that story so much. And I love World War II stories. So that's why I think this is a movie in the making. So if yeah. uh, if no one picks up, maybe Dolphin Image Studios and you guys can can put, get together and make a be, movie about this. It'd be, be pretty amazing. Cool. Um, so going back to your dad a little bit and growing up in the studio, what would what's kind of your favorite memory? Or is there one memory that stands out in your head or one really interesting story that you have from growing up in the studio? Yeah, so um, you know, growing up in the studio was film. You know, we're not shooting digital; it was all film based back then. And so, a lot of the times, you know, the daytime you would spend downstairs um, in the in the studio shooting portraits, shooting whatever the assignment was for the day. Um, and then at night would be the time that you would take all that film upstairs. All our dark rooms were upstairs in this building we are now, and we would develop that. And so, I think a lot of my memories were. Going back, I was in school during the day, so I wasn't usually there to do the shoots. Maybe sometimes late in the afternoon, but my memories were we'd, the routine would be my dad would come home, um, we'd have dinner as a family, and then we'd turn around and he would take me back to the studio with him. 
we'd probably go back to the studio about six at night. I would stay up there with him till about nine or ten. Um, somewhere in there, we would go to Andy's igloo, and <laughs> of he would have coffee. You know, here it is, eight, eight, nine at night. He'd be drinking coffee, oh, um, wow. and I would have Boston cream pie, and <laughs> and so it was it was one of those those things, and that was fun to always. You know, we we'd do that a few actually. Probably every night of the week. I think that was kind of the routine. <laughs> I'm sure your mom was yeah. really excited about that. <laughs> probably have us out of the house. It probably didn't matter too much, but um, but um, that was a routine. We would be working up at the studio at night, processing film. I'd help them in the dark room, and it was just a cool time. Um, it's dark up there at night. We'd we'd have the police scanner on, so that that was another cool thing. We'd have the police scanner on at night. My dad, being you know a news chief photographer. He was used to always listening to the scanner, trying to find an accident, or if we were real lucky if something caught on fire, you know, something like that. So, um, and he would he would get in the habit of listening to the scanner and then running out and doing a trying to catch some shots for the paper or something like oh, that. Wow. So we'd always wow. have the police scanner on and listening to what was going on in town, which wasn't much. But <laughs> I love that you said yeah. if we were lucky, something caught yeah. on fire. Yeah. Oh, that was you huge. guys were lucky, not so fire. much the people that <laughs> got on fire. Fire was great. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's uh, probably like picking your favorite child, but uh, do you have a favorite photo shoot experience? There's a bunch, you know, and I kind of I kind of knew this question was probably going to come. Um, <laughs> I get asked this a lot, and there, there's a lot of good shoots. I mean, so there's different there's different favorite shoots for different reasons. I guess maybe from an action standpoint, there's there's one I did with Lance Armstrong that really just always stuck in my head that I just I, you know I just loved it. Um, he was here for the Ironman in town, and he was um, it was a bike portion of the Ironman, and he got on that bike and. We we would um, they would put me on the back of a Harley. Um, I'd have a driver, and we would sit on the Harley, and we'd chase him. And this guy, I mean, it was just unbelievable. He the guide never stopped. I mean, we would and we got and they gave me the littlest guy to drive this Harley for me. I mean, the guy probably weighed eighty pounds, and you know, I'm I'm hitting two hundred, you know, and and so this guy's, you know. You can't keep me under control. I'm like the back of the bike swinging out of the way. But we're, I mean, we're, I'm with, I could reach out and I could have grand, grab Lance Armstrong with my hand. That's how close we oh, were to him. Goodness. And just wide angle lens shooting some really cool shots, low angles looking up at him. Um, and going through all those back roads out by Lake Wales with the hills and the light. And it's just early morning. And it was just, it's just one of those great shoots that just, um, that just got so many great action shots. So action-wise, that's a great shot. There's some stuff that's that's kind of just been fun. I, you know, I always wanted to be a pilot, I think. And so, like, anytime I get a chance to go up in a plane doing aerial work, you know, that's always fun. Um, we did some real early shots over at Bach Tower one morning oh, in, a, yeah. in a really cool um, – it's called a um, – an air cam and so national geographic designed this plane to shoot over in africa but you sit out on the nose of the plane and it's an open cockpit there's no windshield no nothing in the pilot usually can sit behind you or in front of you whichever way you want to set up and um so some of those some of the air shots were pretty cool um the um and those were beautiful pictures those are some yeah, of my favorite pictures yeah that you've they, taken. they've kind of lasted you know shoots usually last you know five or six years before they kind of wear out their welcome. Those kind of last for some reason. I guess Bach, t- you know, it's just so iconic. It doesn't, it kind of always, you know, kind of keeps the same presence no right. matter how you capture it. Wow. There was a, there was one other shoot. If you want me to keep going, I don't know. I don't know where I'm time, but um, there's a shoot. I, I was up in a, up in a, um, up in a bucket ladder of a fire truck down in Lake Wales one morning shooting. The hospital wanted me to take this, this time-lapse shot of the hospital. And we had to get up before light came up. And um, so I'm up there. It's probably about five in the morning, waiting for the sun to come up by about six. And you take shots along the way to capture this time lapse shot. And uh, out to the right hand side of me, the space shuttle launches, and it's like it's almost like right there. I mean, the 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 path that must have taken that morning was incredible because it went. You could just see the whole skylight. I'm sitting up in this bucket truck, probably about you know 75 feet in the air, and all of a sudden this light 
from the coast, just the whole light, the whole sky just went up. And, wow. light, and then you see this launch, you see this fireball go up and, and you could actually see, I could see the, the engines turning over, out going over the Atlantic that morning. It was so clear, it was so cold, but that was just a really cool thing oh to have happen on a shoot. Did you take like a long exposure of it? Was it like so? I'm taking a time lapse. My camera's aimed at the hospital, so I. I but I had a phone, mm-hmm. and so I was able to take a phone. I wish I had a better camera you right. know, to capture it that morning. But yeah, I did. I did capture it, but not like I wanted to. Right. I didn't. I didn't know it was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, it just caught me off guard completely. But that was that that's was pretty awesome. awesome. Yeah. So how about uh, for you, Joel and Rick? Do you have any like from a video standpoint, any of your favorite shoots? I think it'd be the same way as answering with him. We've we've done so many cool stuff, so it's really hard to pick right. a first one. Um, we recently got to work with uh, Steve Spurrier, so that was pretty fun. Um, um, go was, Knowles, it, was it fun for you, Joel? Was it? Did you wear all Seminole gear when you went to this? <laughs> he behaved. Yeah, I behaved. He tolerated. No, he. I mean, Steve's a great guy. I mean, I can call him Coach, I guess now since we got to meet him a couple times. We filmed uh, two commercials with him. And um, yeah, that was a that was a great experience. I, I, you know, every time you get to do something like that, uh, you you know about this person because you see them on TV. But uh, whenever you get to actually talk to them, you know, he was doing magic tricks for us. So that that's something like that you wouldn't get the other uh, another chance to experience something like that. So yeah, um, that one sticks out. Um, we get to travel a lot, uh, so that that always brings new opportunities to places mm-hmm. that we can't travel all the time. Some places that you wouldn't choose for a vacation, so <laughs> it's nice to have a, an opportunity to go there and visit. I mean, there's so much to explore. So, how about, how about you know, there's a good one, guys. We did we shot it last year, but um, we probably can't release the name of the client. But we shot this huge pot farm up. I, mean, I can't. We probably shouldn't even say where it is. <laughs> this marijuana farm was humongous, uh, 200 acres of marijuana. Oh wow! And you know, I mean, we're not into it or anything, but. I mean, but we had to pull <laughs> our car. Know. We were driving around this farm for a day. And, oh, my gosh. And I didn't, you know, I'd tell you the truth. I didn't really, I wasn't sure what marijuana really smelled like. And, and But when coming back, we stopped for gas. And I got back in the car and I was like, oh. Oh, that's what it smells like. <laughs> so that's and what you know, everyone like. you encountered yeah. that day is like, man, yeah, what no have these guys been doing today? You're getting the, some looks that day. The yeah. challenging part for that shoot, I guess, um, it grows in different temperature and different lighting. And I guess in the different stages uh, throughout the process, they were explaining it to us. So from a photography and a video side point, um, it was a little complicated to kind of match all that lighting. I mean, it, it, the place was something like you only see in the movies. It was yeah. <laughs> unbelievable. Wow. Did you do drone footage? Did you have drone footage on that one? Did you dro- I don't think we uh, shot drone. No, oh, we didn't do drone that footage like of that one. That seems like a missed opportunity mm. there to get some really cool shots. Most so. of it was actually inside, and then the outside is actually covered. Oh, okay. Um, oh, yeah. It kind of diffuses the light. From the sun and everything, so yeah. So um, one uh, local celebrity that you guys get to work with every year is Sheriff Grady Judd, and you come up with some pretty funny Christmas cards. And I was just—I've always wondered: does, does he come up with the concept, or do you come up with the concept? How does that whole creative process work with those Christmas cards? Yeah, yeah. So you know, this—the process starts probably in about. June, July, we're like, okay, what are we going to do this year? And we got some good friends of ours. Carrie and Steve Horseman are good buddies of mine. Carrie's a PIO for um, Sheriff Judd, mm-hmm. and Steve's a good. He's a captain for the sheriff's office. And then my wife Amy also. She she actually did this year's card. She came up with the idea. But you, you know, Sheriff Judd usually says something during the year that that you can run with, it, and he usually comes <laughs> up with about a dozen things. You know, so it's In usually one of not the hundred too hard. press conferences. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this last year was a bobblehead. He came out with a bobblehead this year. So we kind of themed it off the bobblehead. Yeah. Um, and 
and we like to poke a little fun, and and so it's it's you know it's it's kind of usually a, we just kick it back and forth, and it's usually around a drink or something, mm-hmm. um, how to do it. And he does come up with ideas. We usually have to, uh, I don't know, yeah, that's a good idea, sheriff, but maybe let's try maybe think about this one, maybe you know, <laughs> um, you know, we got to protect him a little bit too. Yeah. You know, he's a so. big thinker, yeah, he's a big thinker. and he's yeah. a funny guy, so yeah. you know, he sees the irony in a lot of things. Yeah, and we got to keep it Christmas centric and keep it lively <laughs> and fun too. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. So, Mike, you and your team were heavily involved in helping tell the brand of uh, brand story of Winter Haven several years ago in partnership with the Chamber and many other community organizations. Uh, why did you want to be a part of that project? I think, you know, growing up here, you kind of feel like, you know, you know the place maybe a little bit better than, than most people do. And, and sometimes that helps, sometimes that doesn't. Some people, you know, sometimes you can go to a new community and you see things from a different eye. Um, in this case, I think I did have a good idea what, what Winter Haven was about. Um, what we were trying to do, it was kind of a, a chamber-led initiative in that we were trying to um, come up with a brand for Winter Haven. And what we came back was uh, authentic Florida, I think was kind of the overall theme and keeping Winter Haven authentic. Um, you know, a lot of the areas is tourism and, and that's good. I mean, that's what we, we base our, our, our base on. But, um, you know, the authentic Florida is what people live here for. And I think that's kind of what we were trying to tell the story of when we were putting that together. And, um, and so, I, you know, it's just a, I think it was a piece that, um, that I could appreciate being here 47 years. I think too, um, having, cause Joel and Rick, you both grew up here too, didn't you? Mm-hmm. So you had kind of different perspectives cause you guys went away for school and then you came back. So when you know, the first time we came to you and said, we need to, you know, Winter Haven doesn't really have a defined brand. Like you can ask 20 people on the street, what is Winter Haven? And you will get 20 different answers. So part of the goal was to create a more cohesive uh, brand. What are those pillars? What are those things that we're most proud of that we want to shout from the hilltop? So when we sat down with you and we said, okay, guys, uh, we want to create a video. We want to create a photo library. Um, kind of what were those thoughts going through your head? And then what's the process? So for maybe companies or people that are out there thinking, yeah, we really need to come up with a brand. Like I couldn't define what a brand is. What's that process? Uh, I mean, uh, the video has been out for some time. So uh, whenever we watch her, we hear someone who watched it. And, uh, one, we're thankful everyone really enjoyed it. But uh, the, the feedback that we get is usually, oh, what a what a great picture you painted of, of our town. So uh, that was the goal. Like, how do we come up with something that's going to paint that picture accurately and, and, and it's going to include people that are actually doing these things? You know, the people are in the video are not paid actors. They're all, <laughs> you know people who live uh, here in the area. So uh, I think when you brought uh, up the idea to us, um, I think that's what we had to explore with you too, you know, uh, really understand what what the branding and the vision needed to be. So as far as process, I think, um, you know, it's coming up with those things, really understanding them and trying to boil them down to, uh, you know, the simplest form and then brainstorm uh, a ton of ways to capture those those scenes. So uh, it, it was a long effort. I mean, we worked on a Joel for, for quite some time. I mean, almost like six months. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So was there anything that surprised you, Joel, coming out of it? I mean, um, in terms of how Winter Haven had evolved or defined itself. So Mike mentioned it, a lot of it was focused on the authentic roots, but it's also evolving in a lot of ways. I'd say, sure. People willing to open their doors to us and allow us to come into their businesses to, you know, showcase what they offered to our community and how we all collaborate together was just um, kind of inspiring throughout the whole entire project. As Rick said, it took 
months, probably six months to about a year to really complete the entire project. But um, the more and more as we did it, we realized the project focused not just solely on Winter Haven, but the people of Winter Haven. Mm -hmm. it's, it's been exciting growing up in a small town. And um, I know you had Mayor Danzler on the first episode and mm -hmm. growing up with the Danzlers and just this whole community, um, how, how we help one another, how we push one another and how we all grow as together is something that I feel like is not very common in America nowadays. Everyone mm -hmm. likes to live right. in big cities. Um, so I think it's like a really uh, special place that we have here in Winter Haven. But, um, yeah, that's why we really wanted to focus the uh, Winter Haven video on the people and what the people in the community offer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So for those of you listening that haven't seen it, um, the Winter Haven video, which we dubbed Authenticity Reimagined, um, so based off our foundational roots, but kind of the 2.0 version, if you will, of that, um, you can watch it on the Chamber um, website, winterhavenchamber.com, or on our YouTube channel. Um, and then also, as a part of that project, um, uh, Mike went out with his still lens camera um, and took uh, pictures to build a photo library. So if you're a business or somebody that's marketing Winter Haven, there's a whole bank of free photos that you can download off the Chamber site that Mike's put together. And that's constantly evolving. We'll be adding photos to that and uh, working on that. But that was a big piece of that. One thing we noticed in our marketing prior to this was all the pictures were of buildings or elderly people sitting on benches. <laughs> parking, parking garage, even as pretty as it is, you know, that's yeah. not what we want to really base her. Exactly. So Absolutely. we weren't really doing a good job of uh, visually showing what Winter Haven was. And that's what this effort was about. Uh, start to create new photos that actually reflect what we are living every day, have a video that shows what we are living every day and help to spread the word on that. So and you guys actually won an award on that video, didn't you? Yeah, we did. We were able to uh, submit it to the Telly Awards. And uh, uh, it's a uh, international competition so we were fortunate enough to have received the silver telly for it so uh, we're super proud to bring that to winter haven and uh, keep representing when we can that's amazing and definitely deserving uh what would you guys say that your favorite process your favorite part of the creative process is whether it's shooting or editing or not being in front of the camera <laughs> or, on the microphone. Yeah. <laughs> or on the microphone as you can tell no i mean for mine i've always enjoyed um the cinematography aspect of things and um i very fortunate to work with mike and kind of learn lighting from him as well right but um i always enjoy the the composition kind of i'm a very visual person so i can take words off the script and my mind just goes non-stop of like how can we shoot this how can how can we create this what type of lens what type of camera can we use to to achieve that look and then com uh, combining that with lighting and composition and movement really uh, is a great part of storytelling. Luckily, all three of us have some really strong passions for certain aspects of the of, of our work, so we complement each other really well on, on the rest of the the parts. Uh, for me, yeah. it's it's the story, uh, the scripting. I mean, whenever we we uh, we talk about the process, uh, so it always starts with an idea, and it's just a blast to be able to imagine all these different possibilities of how a video can be produced and then look at them and say this will work this won't work and uh, the more you work at it the more you come down to that simple idea that's going to describe your project that's going to visually tell your story so Definitely. Uh, you know going through all that it for me it's a lot of fun it can it can be painstakingly long but uh, <laughs> it, it's worth it in the result i think each each shoots a little bit of a puzzle you know you get in there and you get into situations where you got a person's different uh, scenes different the lights different the 
-hmm. weather's different. Um, mm -hmm. So it's fig figuring out the puzzle to make the best shot. And I think that's what a professional does is that they can take um, awkward situations and situations that aren't ideal and actually make it happen. Right. And we got to do that a few times a day, most mm -hmm. of the time, um, you know, when you do these photo shoots, you're not going to be handed the best light every time or the, the perfect scenario for a shoot. So it's um, getting a person comfortable and um, and then finding the best light, the best situation, best, you know, equipment choices, um, you know, to make that shoot happen and, and end up working for them. Right. Absolutely. So there are a lot of quote unquote photographers out there. Um, and but you guys have hit this sweet spot and granted it's been generations, but but really it falls on you guys that you've been able to build the business that you have today in being able to do almost a smattering of every kind of photography and videography. You do the family photo shoot still, but you also do a lot of commercial work, um, which is great. So what advice, kind of a two-part question, what advice would you give to an entrepreneur, a photographer who's maybe just starting out or maybe they do, you know, a couple family pictures around the holidays and that sort of stuff? Um, what advice would you give to an entrepreneur um, photographer and what are the biggest challenges you see facing your industry right now? And I'll kind of pitch that out to all three of you. Probably the biggest advice I, I would I would give to a, a young photographer, don't discount any job that you're going to take on. If you take on the job, do the best job you can. And um, no matter how small or it is, take it. Because there's been plenty of small jobs that I wasn't even thinking, you know, like, may, you know I could probably skip this job and, and let it go. And then that job led me to somebody that was there at that shoot, and they shook my hand, and I was able to meet them, and they took me on to some really, really big projects. And so I would say don't ever discount a job because you think you're too big for it or because you just don't feel like getting up that Saturday morning or Sunday morning to go shoot it. Just try to, you know, when you're growing, try to take on every job you can to make the most of meeting who you're going to meet on that project. It's all about the people you meet that's going to lead you to your next project. And that, I think that's probably the, the thing that I've lived with even even over 20 years of doing this. Um, you know, I, I just try to take every job very seriously, very importantly. And it, and it seems that job always takes you to the next job, it seems like. And, and you're planting a seed for a few years down the road that, um, you know, that person knows of you or comes back to you because you did a great job that, that morning. I would say uh, your work speaks for itself, especially with photography and video. Um, that, that work tends to live on for a long time, mm -hmm. even in the social media day and age and everyone wants something done. Like, can we have the edit done tomorrow? Um, yeah. <laughs> you totally super understand easy, that. right? Yeah, it's super easy. Just Photoshop Because I made it. videos on Instagram. Yeah, yeah just fix it and post. Can you make it's usually me look skinnier? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Absolutely. But um, probably my main point would say get to know the people that you're working with. Everyone has a story to tell. Um, nowadays people, I got a 4k camera or an 8k camera, you know, it's, it's not always about the technology and the camera. As Rick mentioned earlier, it's about the storytelling. Everyone has a story to tell and, um, really diving in, learning about a person or a company and what they stand for, um, makes that product last a long time. You know, if you're just starting out, you got into it because you liked it. So, uh, I mean, for me, it's always, always have fun. It's, it sounds silly and maybe not really helpful but uh, you know the, the more fun you're having with it the the more you're engaged with whatever content you're trying to to get so you're going to be more engaged looking for those angles looking looking for that story so uh, you know keeping keep keep yourself engaged keep learning we there's there's new technologies that are coming out every day so everything's always progressing so you, you know you got to stay on top of that and just keep learning keep having fun keep shooting just keep working at it there, and a lot of all-nighters. All-nighter, yeah. Don't ever worry about the hours you're working. I was going to say that too. Um, don't don't track your time because it's just 
you'll get really depressed pretty quick. Um, <laughs> and what your hourly yeah. rate actually is. <laughs> but, you know, for the really the big thing is as creative as you can be and if you're the best artist in the world, you still got to run a business. And that's, you know, the, the, the big thing to that is, you know, try to keep yourself, you know, try to be smart. Don't take out a lot of debt. Earn your way through this process um, and growing as an artist because if you you can be a lot more creative when you're not worried about paying that bill, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's the big thing. Just try to stay out of debt. Try to be smart and um, – you know, don't borrow a lot of money to make this, make it all happen at one time. You know, earn yeah. your way. That's very sound advice. Yeah. And surround yourself with great people, which you guys exactly. have. So yeah. we are so blessed to have um, you. And and thank you so much for coming on today's podcast and sharing the story. Um, I think our our listeners probably already know where you are, but if they don't, Podcast Studios is located in downtown Winter Haven on Central Avenue, right across from the Ritz Theater. Um, and we want to thank you so much for for being those visual storytellers for, for our community, but also the many businesses and families that you all have impacted over the years. So thanks for coming on the podcast thanks, today. Katie. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Rachel. Thanks, Rachel. Rachel. thanks, Katie. This podcast would not be possible without our chamber and investor businesses stepping up to support us. We'd like to thank one of our podcast presenting sponsors, Advent Health. Advent Health came to Polk County in September 2019 with the acquisition of Heart of Florida Regional Medical Center and Lake Wales Medical Center and has swiftly become an active and engaged community partner. Established in 1908 by pioneering Seventh-day Adventists who believed in whole person health, healing of the mind, body, and spirit, Advent Health has grown into one of the largest nonprofit hospitals in the country. In addition to the two hospitals in Polk County, Advent Health has also has CentraCare, an urgent care facility on Cypress Gardens Boulevard, and a physician's group office on First Street in downtown Winter Haven. Learn more at adventhealth.com. That's adventhealth.com. Our next guest was honored by the American Veterinary Foundation as America's favorite veterinarian in 2015 and was named Florida's top veterinarian of 2018 by the Florida Veterinary Medical Association. As you'll hear in this interview, Dr. Mitzi Vargas not only offers what most of us would think of as traditional veterinary services, but also offers a suite of alternative therapies and treatments, which I've seen with my own eyes can do nothing short of miracles in my book. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Vargas. Well, thank you for having me. (laughs) So one question we always like to leave with when we are um, interviewing our local businesses is why Winter Haven? Why did you pick to open your business in Winter Haven? Well, it's kind of a funny story. Um, I came to Winter Haven just to visit my future in-laws. I had just recently got engaged and they lived here. For some reason, my father-in-law is a chemical consultant and he was working with uh, some business nearby and uh, in Orlando, and so he didn't want to live in Orlando, so he bought a house here on Lake Florence Drive, uh, vi- um, you know, here in Winter Haven. And so we came to visit. I came to visit him, and when I I was living in Miami, highly stressed driving, <laughs> yeah, highly stressed traffic, and driving to work, fourteen miles took 
an hour. Oh my goodness! And so I was wow. really getting tired with that uh, with that stuff. And my husband had been um, robbed twice. What? And I, I, yes, and and I just didn't want to wait for the third time that happened. <laughs> and so we were thinking about moving to Altamont Springs and uh, Orlando. That's where what we knew. Winter Haven literally was not in the map. Mm-hmm. Like literally, you couldn't find it. <laughs> <laughs> this is pre pre iPhones, right, so right. you couldn't find it. So twenty. 24 years ago, we moved to Winter Haven uh, in a w- on a whim because I came and that weekend I went to Publix to buy some wine for my future in laws to not show up empty handed. The people at Publix were so kind. People outside of Publix just said, waving, Hi, hey, honey, you have a great day. And I'm thinking to myself, Are these people. You know, are they, are they really me? that nice? Yeah. Do they think I'm someone else? <laughs> or is this like a bizarro world? I don't know. I mean, so it was the southern hospitality of Winter Haven. And just one weekend, super relaxed. Uh, everywhere we went, we visited the gardens at that time. And mm-hmm. they were glorious. It was November. Everything was beautiful and bloom. And I just thought this is a very quaint, very... Um, homey and welcoming town and I was right following my instincts to stay here because 24 years and I haven't looked back I don't miss Miami I don't miss the hustle and bustle of the city or the dangerous crime rates or anything like that so (laughs) that is one of the best commercials for Winter Haven I could ever wish for (laughs) and I would also like to thank Miami for being so difficult to live in that we got to have Dr. Vargas Um, so that's amazing I'm I'm totally taking that clip and like spreading it around the universe (laughs) (laughs) well we're definitely happy that you're here Dr. Vargas Uh, tell us a little bit about Orchid Springs and the services uh, your office provides well, um, Orchid Springs started with my husband and I in a 1,200-square-foot facility, and we lived above the you know, the facility. And I never in my wildest dream would have thought that, you know, 24 years later, 10,000-square-foot facility, 40 employees, and, um, and doing very well and helping a lot of people. So uh, we do have a boarding facility that is about 5,000-square-foot for boarding, grooming, daycare, which is a very in-demand services that we offer. But on the medical side is the other 5,000. We do have an integrated practice. And what you mentioned in the beginning, we do have the traditional expected veterinary medicine that we learn in school. But I've dedicated my last decade of my life to um, learn and incorporate uh, very good modalities from the from the Eastern medicine into our um, repertoire to just to offer more solutions, more options for our pet owners in Winter Haven. So um, you mentioned that kind of alternative therapies, and you've become one of the foremost thought leaders in the country on the benefits of pet acupuncture and holistic medicine. In fact, in addition to the quote-unquote normal veterinary services and educational route, you have certifications in acupuncture, Chinese herbal medicine, food therapy, and to a, to a, I knew I, was, I asked how to pronounce this beforehand. So how do I say that? Twina. Twina. And uh, you are also a fellow of the American Academy of Veterinary Acupuncture and just two certified balance method acupuncture practitioners in the USA. You have also authored a book available on Amazon entitled Alt-Vet, The Revolutionary Pet Care and Longevity Solution. So tell our listeners why you believe alternative therapies like acupuncture can be so effective and what kind of ailments can they treat? 
Well, the funny thing is uh, a lot of people know about acupuncture for pain, uh, thinking chronic pain, and, and that is a good solution for it, which they would be ripe for. Um, when it comes to Western medicine, acute pain, acute issues, uh, you need drugs, right? Get a, but, but when it, you get in trouble is with the chronic conditions, and that's when the drugs uh, have so many side effects and they pile one upon another, and then you end up with the worst situation that you began with. So that's when an integrator approach is the best. Um, but the funny thing is that a lot of our patients are cancer patients. When you have a cancer diagnosis in a pet, it's very limited options. So I'm glad to say that with acupuncture, with uh, herbals, and with Twina, we can extend the life, and not just the life for, for day's sake, Though I think any pet owner would love one more day with their pet, you know, if given right. the chance, they would pick that. But we're talking about the quality of life of their pets. So uh, when it comes to terminal diagnosis, illnesses, and cancer, um, that's a great um, option, uh, alternative medicine, uh, as well as other conditions you wouldn't think that it works. But for um, seizures, uh, and those are lifelong um, conditions that require a lot of drugs and sometimes the drugs are not effective. So when you combine sometimes the drugs or just acupuncture and herbs alone, you can take care of those conditions, including Cushing's, diabetes, and kidney disease. And those are very common conditions that we see on senior pets. Oh, wow. I had no idea that it had the ability to treat that much stuff. I know. So. And a lot of people know for pain, but, but it's just so much more than mm -hmm. pain. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's incredible. Uh, Dr. Vargas, you're, you are heavily involved in the pet nonprofit world in Polk County and even run your own nonprofit fund called the We Love Pet Fund. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that fund. So because uh, I try to help everybody and I love the Humane Society and what they stand for and I love HPCA and what they stand for and I try to support them, whether it's uh, being in the board or donating my services, but there's just so much more and they can't do all of them. And so sometimes we're faced with clients that love their pets, but they don't have the means to help them. And so in the past, I would just take them at charity cases. But sadly, I am running a business with 40 <laughs> people that actually they don't get paid on IOUs. I mean, <laughs> and, <laughs> and just and, love and goodwill yeah. and, and sunshine. And Tico <laughs> doesn't appreciate, you know, I, you know, hey, I, I owe you, uh, I'll pay you later. So uh, sadly, you know, you can, you can run yourself out of business if, if mm -hmm. you, you know, being so kind hearted. So one of my, t my um, clients, Faye Wood, uh, she's one longtime client, and she saw one time she, she went in the back with her dogs, and she saw that I had 16 cats and three dogs <laughs> looking <laughs> for homes. And uh, in all stages of this repair, they had a lot of diseases, and we were working with them. And I told her, I don't know, I'm going crazy. You know, I don't have space to put them. And so she she scolded me and she said you can't do this <laughs> and so she was the one the force behind me setting my own uh, wheel of pet fund so we do uh, fundraisers uh, in-house basically uh, in the clinic and um, we were so good our clients are so good I just mm -hmm. Winter Haven has embraced us and support us so much and it just cannot say enough but another one of our clients Tammy Steele got us to be approved by Disney and so oh, wow. we are one of the Disney-approved 
uh, charities. And so we uh, receive from Disney a grant every year. Uh, for the past four years, we've received over ten thousand uh, dollars every year for from Disney. That's the incredible. employees. Wow. Yeah. The employees donate their time and Disney matches them. And then we are one of the proofs so they can donate to us. So the We Love Pet Funds have served usually an, uh, around 300 animals a year. And uh, we are in partnership with the Humane Society. So when we fix the, the ones that they cannot get in because there are no kill and we... Um, we amputate the legs or take the eyes or do whatever it is that needs to be fixed so that this animal is adoptable. Right. Then once they are past the critical stage of no, not needing to be hospitalized, then oftentimes, 90% of the times, they end up at the Humane Society and then they find the home for them. Right. right. So um, so that's why we're there trying to. I mean, a lot of pets would miss the chance of being adopted and having a second chance at, at life. It, because they have a medical condition. So that's when I enter and, uh, you know, I provide the service and make sure that then that pet is adoptable. Yeah. And as I mentioned um, earlier in the podcast, um, you helped one of my uh, fosters, mm-hmm. which actually one of your vets was fostering first. Dr. Moisa was fostering yeah. um, and desperately needed help. And that cute little face of Gretel, I just couldn't stand it. But you did acupuncture and she went from dragging her little tiny legs <laughs> to running up the stairs. And, um, you know, so like I said, I've witnessed it firsthand uh, what you've done and your generous heart that you um, contribute to the hum- the community, whether it's through the Humane Society or what you do in your office every single day. So thank you for taking care of, of our animals, um, of my phoenix, um, <laughs> take such great care of her. And so uh, our listeners, we want to make sure they know how to get more information from you. So um, what is your website? So our website kind of has a funny name. It's www.osavets.com. So OSA stands for Orchid Springs Animal Hospital. And uh, we are on Facebook. Our Facebook page is very active. Yes, it is. And so we have a lot of people, uh, you know, join and interact with us uh, through Facebook. But also, we you won't believe it, we're, we're in Instagram. And we o- recently opened a, a YouTube channel. So please really? subscribe. Wow, yeah. Awesome. So we're trying to do our more educational. Because Facebook, you know, you don't want to do a lot more education. Facebook is for fun. Right. Like that <laughs> mental health break of seeing what puppies are in your office exactly. for the day. Exactly. <laughs> puppies who guess the breed things like that but the, our we, our um, YouTube channel probably will be have more like longer segments with more educational material or more just cool stuff you know but it just takes a little more, more time that's amazing and your facility is located on Overlook Drive yes uh, right across from Dolphin Image Studios just up the street from them but um, where we're recording this podcast but it has been incredible what you've contributed to this community and frankly the investment that you've made running a business I, I love that you lived above your first business. Yeah. I mean, that is just that entrepreneurial story and saying, we're going to make this work in this town that's brand new to us and um, and raising your family here. Yeah. And just really, you just um, dove in uh, feet first into the Winter Haven community and we are all the better for it. So thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast today. And we are so thankful for your service to this community. Oh, you're so welcome. And uh, welcome. Uh, yeah, I say thank you, Winter Haven, for 24 years of uh, support and for helping me grow. Thank you. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of local businesses in the Winter Haven community, including our presenting sponsor, Fred Simons Insurance Agency. That's right. 
there's a new farmer's insurance agent in your neighborhood. Meet Fred Simons with the Fred Simons Insurance Agency located at 325 Avenue C Southwest, Winter Haven, Florida. As the road you travel changes, so can your insurance needs. Give Fred Simons a call today at 863-259-1826 so he can help you as you assess whether you're ready for the journey ahead. That's Farmers Insurance Agent Fred Simons at 863-259-1826. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. Polk County is routinely ranked as one of the most generous communities in the country, and it's no doubt with so many quality and effective nonprofits in our area. In our Giving Back segment, we will be highlighting area nonprofits and the work that they do. That's right, Katie. Today we have with us Lisa Baker, Director of the Humane Society of Polk County. Welcome to the show, Lisa. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. Lisa, what would you say the mission of the Humane Society is? The mission of the Humane Society is the prevention of cruelty to animals, the relief among suffering of animals, and the extension of humane education. And how many animals come into the shelter in the course La of a year? Last year, we had 1,294 animals come into the facility. Wow. Wow. And that's a mixture of dogs, cats, cats birds, oh. guinea pigs, <laughs> hamsters, you name it, we, we It get comes it. in, yeah. And oh do, do you keep all of the birds? We do. Yeah, yeah. We do. And yeah. they're quite easy to find homes for. You wouldn't think that, yeah. but we do have a waiting list of people who are looking for small furries or really? feathered friends. <laughs> so we keep that. And when we get those in, we give them a call first. Oh, wow. That's incredible. I didn't even know that. <laughs> and we do that for our canine and feline friends. So if you, mm -hmm. we have a program called Match a Pet. So if you're looking to find a a forever friend that's a German Shepherd. We have a list of those too, so it makes it a lot easier to find homes. Oh, that does. That does. And how many animals are adopted per year? Last year we did 1,324. So around, since I've been in the business with the shelter, which is going on my 29th year, oh my goodness. <laughs> around 1,000 animals every year wow. since then. What services uh, does the Humane Society offer? We have a lot of services, uh, obviously surrendering of pets. We help to find them home. We do the adoptions of them, not only at our facility in Winter Haven on Dundee Road, but we go to PetSmart. We have cats at the Posner Pet PetSmart every day of the week available, and we do off-site adoptions. So if you're looking to have an off-site adoption event, contact us, and we might be able to fit you into our schedule there. And so you mentioned that you can't surrender animals to the Humane Society. What is that process like? It is, we take in dogs and cats from dogs on Tuesday and Thursday from 2 to 4, and cats on Wednesday from 2 to 4. And as we're a no-kill shelter, that is as we have room available for them. Mm -hmm. And we do test them to make sure that they are adoptable so they're not going to be a danger to the community to adopt them out. Right. And one of the, I found one of the things that's um, most interesting about the Humane Society is you are very careful about the animals that come into the shelter. So they are surrendered in and then typically quarantined or checked by a veterinarian um, or your staff prior to going in with the 
general population, that term sounds weird, <laughs> but the general population that's within the shelter. But you, when you built the new building, you were very conscientious on building it so that you could keep kind of the two populations separated before yes, the animals very- are vetted. We are very careful to make sure that the new population coming in, when they first come in, I like to call it a spa day they have. (laughs) (laughs) They come in and they get their bath, their nails done, so their (laughs) mani-pedi, their ears, and a blow dry, and Mm. then they get all their shots, their microchip, and then they go to our holding area to wait to make sure that they are free of disease and that they're happy. So a lot of times it's very scary to come into the facility because they've never been around other animals so it can be quite overwhelming so mm-hmm. we let them have a few days to to calm down mm-hmm. then they're spayed and neutered and placed for adoption in our adopt public adoption areas mm-hmm. uh, Lisa if someone is listening to our show wants to help um, the Humane Society and wants to get involved what what would you need right now well we are always in need of volunteers it, particularly dog walkers So if you have an interest in becoming a canine walker, we would encourage you to come and become a volunteer. We train you how to do that. We don't just give you a leash and say, here you go. (laughs) (laughs) So when we get animals in, usually they're dogs. They're surrendered to us because they don't walk well on a leash. They want to try to bust out the door every time you open it. So we're going to train you, first of all, how to open the door without them coming and busting through Mm -hmm. and how to actually grab a collar safely and easily and hook them up and then take them for a walk. It might sound so silly, but it does, that helps to get them adopted. So when you come in and they're not jumping all over you Mm -hmm. or trying to bolt out the door, it makes it safer when you do adopt them and you get them home and you know they're not going to run for the door the first thing. Mm Well, and of course, um, we want to make sure our listeners know that you are a nonprofit. So you don't just run on love and no. a passion for animals. Um, <laughs> you run on donations. And we do. those could be donations of food, donations of supplies, uh, donation of time, as you mentioned with volunteering, but also donations of money yes. um, to be able to continue your operation. So if someone wanted to donate to the Humane Society, how would they do that? They can go to our website, which is polknokill.org, and go to the Donate button, and they can click and go right online and make a donation, either a one-time, monthly, or however often they would like to do it. We have a Furry Friends uh, program where you can uh, you can make a donation of $100, and that goes directly to our capital campaign to mm-hmm. help us to pay off the building, and we're very close to that I say close <laughs> six hundred thousand away, but that's very minimal compared to where we started uh, almost yes, two million. <laughs> so we're very happy and proud about that. So if you want to make a donation, just go to our website, or you can mail it in. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a website, you can go to uh, our thirty one ninety five Dundee Road, Winter Haven, or come into the facility. We would love to see you, and maybe you might find a pet while you're there. Exactly. Take a tour, learn more about the Humane Society of Polk County and all the good they do, all the good they do for the community that we have here in Polk County. So thank you so much for your passion for the animals, for your service for almost 30 years, which sounds crazy <laughs> to say, but we want to thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast today. Thank you, Katie, and you have a great day. Thank you. We'd like to thank our guests for today's podcast, Mike, Rick, and Joel from Pothouse Studios, Dr. Mitzi Vargas with Orchid Springs Animal Hospital, and Lisa Baker with the Humane Society of Polk County. 
Be sure to tune in every week to It's Happening in the Haven, available on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. To learn more about Winter Haven and the Chamber of Commerce, visit winterhavenchamber.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We hoped you learned a little bit about our community today and even more about the people who are shaping its future. After all, no true community exists without the people who form it. Winter Haven. Some call it a haven. We call it home. <laughs>